on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We discuss a lot of what Brent Vittable said in his introductory press conference. We also discuss Jerry Schmidt coming back to Oklahoma in the National College Football Roundup. We talk about Heisman Trophy finalists, uh, Mario Cristobal going to Miami, and the type of money that Texas is throwing around right now. And we finish up with our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, December 9th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in December from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $60,000 in cash and bonus play in the Rudolph's Riches promotion nice and festive for christmas preliminary drawings are every 30 minutes and grand prize winners will be announced at 11:59. if you need help finding your way just visit riverwind.com riverwind casino still the one now recording this wednesday morning a little earlier than usual ted and it's pretty simple i'm in the big city i'm in new york city i'm nice. uh, here we've got stuff tonight so we're recording early flexibility is key for me and you and i appreciate you uh working around my wife's schedule thank you no sir. problem no problem um i'm happy to do it i like uh getting up getting this thing rolling i'm with you please leave us a five-star review a nice comment while you're at it and if you're interested in sponsoring the pod email the oklahoma breakdown at gmail.com man there's a lot to talk about i mean we're we're drinking from a fire hose Right now, when it comes to OU football content, so man, let's let's get to it. And I think where you got to start is start is the the introduction event. Like, what do we call what happened on Monday? Yeah, yeah, that was an event. When you've got pyro, it's an event, right? And they had pyro going. Kind of scared me for a little bit, but yeah, that was awesome. You know, after what we saw Sunday night, the great attendance for that impromptu type of uh, situation. And then Monday, more organized, but still a ton of people showed up. That was really cool. Yeah. And uh, I will say this. 
I think the University of Oklahoma has, and the fan base, has has gone out of their way uh, a little a little over the top, if you will, to to show how much support Brent Venables has and how much football means here. I I don't think that that is that is an accident. I and listen, the thing the thing on Monday was fantastic, and those things don't just come together. Like there's a lot of planning that goes mm-hmm. into that. All the lights, like you, you mentioned they were shooting off fire inside. I mean, it, right. it was pretty sweet, but yeah, I think it has been, it's been interesting. It's as if they're trying to send a message about how, how much OU football means. Well, message received. Um, I know everyone, <laughs> I know everyone's comparing it to the uh, the clip of the Lincoln Riley introduction at USC. Um, so message received, and you know I think there's it's genuine excitement though. You know you can't pull off an like the thing you can put all of the bells and whistles together for events like that, but if the people aren't excited and don't show up and aren't energized, then you know, it's really not going to come off that way. And you can tell that people are legitimately excited. Um, you know, I, I I hated to see a lot of the guys on the staff go, man. I think there's some really good coaches that got put in a bad spot. But ultimately, you know, and, and there may be some growing pains, but I firmly believe with Venables at head coach, uh, overseeing the defense and Lebby at offensive coordinator, we're going to be better off than we were before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk a lot about that between now and when they kick off, right? There's going to be, there's going to be some, some serious discussion about what this football team is going to look like next fall. But uh, I do want to, I do want to dive into some of the things that BV said during you know when he took the stage when he took the mic at that that introduction event so before we get to like the statements that stood out to me Ted some people are saying that's the most they've ever seen you smile some people are saying that is the happiest they've ever seen you look do do you have any <laughs> comment to those uh to those accusations Man, I, I, yes, I was, uh, I was cheesing. It's awesome. I'm, I'm really excited. I think this has been a long time coming. I just think it's, I think it's the perfect storm. I think it's the perfect time. And, uh, I think we're in really, really good hands. So yeah, dude, I, I can't hide it. I'm excited. I, um, I owe pretty much everything I have to Brent Venable. So uh, excited, not just that he's here and to be able to cover it and, and watch how it progresses. I, I'm excited for him that he gets this opportunity, you know, and he's waited and waited. There's been opportunities come along and for whatever reason, he didn't jump on them. And here we are. It's, it, it just, you know, two weeks ago, it would have been out of the question. And then one week ago, it was, there's no other choice. It's amazing how quickly things change and how everything lines up. And here we go. Awesome. 
so we put a picture out from the podcast Twitter of you and Coach V, and I took the picture. And the caption I put on there was, you, you know why I couldn't text you back, right? <laughs> and I think a lot of people thought that was a joke, but that's actually what he said to you. Like, he was like, yeah. I couldn't text you back. There's a, that I, I don't know if you found that picture or if it's like a grab off of a video because there's a video taken from that like same angle where you can hear him say, you know I, why I didn't hit you back, right? It's so funny. Hilarious. Uh, I don't know if he knows that it, if it was an ongoing joke or not, but uh, that was pretty good. Did he? He texted you back, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. No, it's it's been great, dude. It's um, he has hit the ground running. It's not easy. They've they've got deadlines uh, right around the corner. So uh, super super busy man right now. Hasn't had a chance to catch his breath. But yeah, we've been able to to tr- uh, chat quite a few times. Yeah. Um, one of the coolest parts of that thing, uh, getting to see a lot of guys that I played with that I hadn't seen in a while, right. Or getting to meet some of the guys that you played with that I'd never met. Like I met Bubba Bertram for the first time. I never met the guy. I was like, I know you. And yeah, that's, so had that's a little cool. center center chat. So it, it was cool seeing that many. And I don't know if generations is the right word. It's not, but like, guys that played in the early 2000s and then to the current players that are on the roster now it was it was cool seeing all of those guys there for one reason and it's because we care about Brent Venables and we care about Oklahoma football it was I I I thought it was really cool man no I thought it was awesome and it wasn't just local guys um saw Chris Chester he drove up from Texas um there was guys that flew in for it. There's guys that came in from all over the place. So yeah, that was that was really cool. And, and it's crazy to think that at one point I was like not gonna go to it for whatever reason. And looking back, it's like, what were you even why would you even have thought of not going to that? Are are we gonna is this the part where we say that our wives bullied us into going? Because <laughs> that's exactly what happened. I was like, yeah, Caroline, I, should, ah, it's the drive, you know, she was like, uh, you're going. So <laughs> I, I text you. I was like, Hey, you go into this thing. You're like, no. And I was like, uh, he's going to get bullied into it too. And so you <laughs> called me that morning. You're like, Hey, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to go. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Smart. I'm very glad. I'm very glad we went now. I know a lot of people saw the, the video of Coach V bullying me into getting into the uh, the social media post video. Uh, there's no way I'm saying no. Like, I tried to stay out of it. To my own defense, I was like, no, you and Teddy, that's what the people want to see. And he was like, Gabe, get in here. I was like, oh, God. Like, yes, sir. Yeah, you know how I am with social media videos, not my comfort zone. So I needed you in there, just safety and numbers, you know. So thanks for making the appearance. You're welcome. So, so some things that stood out about, about what BV said. Uh, first, big Whataburger guy, right? Triple cheeseburger. Onion rings, an interesting choice. An interesting choice. But uh, I believe he called it a game changer. <laughs> so I, I thought hey. that. And one of the reasons that that stood out to me, it's like, man, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And 
you know, for, from our perspective, you know, guys covering the team, working for the team, man, to have a guy with that type of personality leading the program, like that energy, this is going to be a blast. I know it comes down to winning and losing games, Ted. And, you know, it's not like BV is all about the social media and all that stuff. Like that's, that's not his lane, but man, he was some of the quotes, like you could, you could almost hear the relief from some of the members of media asking him questions in the press conference portion of things. Like he's just going on with these long detailed answers. He's laughing, having a good time. It was, it was kind of refreshing to see. Yeah, it was. He's, he's saying all the right things. And, you know, this morning I was actually, I was listening to the uh, T row in the morning show and, and someone had, text in a question or maybe called in a question and it was like you know I'm excited about what's going on but are we are we just like excited about the nostalgia factor here or have we made the the legitimate right moves and I think that's a really good question and the reason I think it's the right move and it's not a nostalgia thing is because Venables and Schmidt would not have come here and come back if they couldn't do it on their terms and do it right. You know what I'm saying? And right. The nostalgia I think is going to be real because I think that some of the things that we've talked about openly and you know, teams coming in and being more physical and be in, you know, proclaiming to be the tougher football team. I, those were problems. And I think everyone saw that. And there's one way that you change that, right? And it's, it's the work. And I don't think that they, either one of them would have come back if they couldn't do the work. And there has been roadblocks in the past of being able to do the work. I, yeah, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna get to the Schmitty stuff. Oh my gosh. But one thing that stood out to me when, when BV was talking, it is, it's really clear that Dabo has had a significant effect on him. And I, I think it's in a very positive way. He talked about how Dabo taught, taught him how to love the players and how good he is at coaching the coaches and like just the relationship building man him talking about you know it not being a transactional relationship between him and the players like him actually wanting to get to know these kids like i was sitting there and and just listening to it in the crowd ted and as he was saying it i was kind of like putting myself back into when I was getting recruited and I was like, if a coach would have said something like that to me, and I know maybe that pitch isn't for everyone, but we're talking about like, he's actually going to care about me and develop me not only as a player, but like as a person, man, that would have been, I mean, a home run recruiting pitch to a guy like me. Now, maybe, like I said, maybe it's not for everyone, but that is, that's a great approach because in my opinion, College football has gotten more and more business-like, right? It's, hey, here's the deal. You're a really highly ranked recruit. We're going to bring you in, and we're going to make you a draft pick. 
and then we both win, right? We win games because you're good. You get rich in the NFL, and then more people want to come play for, play for us because you, you made it to the NFL. And I, I know that a lot of coaches, you know, care more than that, right? They're not all that superficial. But just the way that he said it, like it, it's clear that they're, they're going to do things a little differently from a recruiting perspective and like the type of guy that they want to bring in. And you just have to, you have to trust Brent Venables that he's going to be able to not only build a talented roster, but to build a talented roster that has a great culture. And some of the stuff he said, I was like, man, that is, that's how I would do it. But I, I know some people heard what he said and they're like, no, 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 just collect four and five stars, bring them all. Bring them all. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like that's going to be the approach. No, and it's it's not going to be the the approach in the beginning, but whenever you build it that way, that's how it turns out, right? Because that's who wants to come play for you, right? They they want to come play in a demanding culture, in a culture where there's development. Uh, on and off the field, there's winning and there's opportunity, right? And if you build it based on the right principles, then it's going to turn into a, a, a great thing for everyone. And I like just building on the recruiting deal. I like what he said about later in in the press conference with the media. Right? The, the scholarship offer is going to be a big deal for them. It's They're not just going to be throwing out scholarship offers to – freshmen and sophomores and and maybe even juniors it's going to be like whenever you get the offer that's a big deal it's not going to be a a mega camp type of thing where OU's out there you know commercializing and advertising themselves and trying to get in front of a bunch of people it's going to be a very exclusive group of people that they offer scholarships to and I love that and he used the the Rolls Royce examples when the last time you see saw a commercial for a Rolls Royce you don't and um that's I think that's a the smart way of doing things now it may be a little bit different this year given the timing of everything but in the perfect world I think that's what he's wanting to build to and it's it's funny because I know some people heard that and I heard our buddies over at Sooner Scoop talking about it on their podcast and I think you hear a guy say that and it alarms you a little bit, but never forget how much value exclusivity brings to something. Like if all of a sudden having it an OU offer is what gets you in the cool kids club, like there's value in that. Now, of course, you got to evaluate players well and you got to bring in the right guys that are going to win you football games like that. That's never going to change. But I, I thought that the Rolls Royce example was that that was pretty sweet. Uh, when he said it, I was like, Ooh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. But a uh, couple other things he said, he talked a lot about loyalty and you heard president Harris talk about loyalty. You heard Joe C talk about loyalty. It was What's the again? buzzword of the day. Yeah. Loyalty was the word of the day. And it, he basically said, Hey, just look at my career. If I've been anything, I've, I've been loyal. So 
we, we talked a lot about that when we were not so subtly, you know, publicly hoping he got this job and pushing for it. This is a guy that wants to be here. And that means a lot. It, it does. And then maybe the thing that stood out and got the probably got the biggest reaction from the crowd at that thing was him talking about defense and what punishing, suffocating defense. I was like, oh boy, here we go. And then later he, he basically said, hey, we want to maintain, establish, nourish, enhance, improve. He used all the words, Ted. Yeah. And then he said, going to have a standard of physical play at whatever scheme you're implementing. And uh, one of my favorite quotes, he said, at the end of the day, it comes down to fundamentals and physicality in guys playing with uncommon effort. I, I can only imagine how excited you were when you heard that. <laughs> That's football. That's it. There's a whole lot of other mess that's thrown in there. But at the end of the day, if you've got – and I re- it, sometimes it doesn't even matter really how talented your team is. If you have 22 guys and more than that that play with great fundamentals, that play with great physicality, and play with uncommon effort, then you're going to be really, really good. It, But – it's amazing how hard it is to hit those three goals, right? You think that, oh, well, we'll just go and be a fundamentally sound football, play with great physicality, and uh, play with great effort. Like When you strip that back, playing with physicality isn't just like a – it's not just a mindset. That's part of it, but that comes from – Reps and reps and reps and reps of brutal, brutal, punishing football in practice to where you have calloused players that can withstand that type of play and do it for 60 minutes. Being able to play with uncommon effort, you can't just step out there and say, today I'm going to play 75 snaps at 100% effort. That takes a year, multiple years of strength and conditioning uh, habits to to have the just the endurance and you know the output ability to be able to go out there and do that. Fundamentals is drill work, and you know it, those things are really really difficult to achieve. They're they're the right buzzwords, but I trust that he will get there. Every coach in the country is going to say that same line, but I believe we will get there under this, this leadership. And this is kind of the last thing I want to say about that intro event, whatever you want to call it. I haven't seen Brent Venables in 10 years. 10 years. Haven't seen him. And I'm just standing out there in front of the Switzer Center. Someone grabs me by my shoulders from behind, gives me a hug. Gabe, what's up, man? And it was him. I was like, oh, my God, what? Asked me how my family was doing. Asked me what I was up to. At, like, I never had that interaction with Lincoln Riley. Not once. I talked right. to Brent Venables more that day on Monday, casually, like just catching up more than I talked to Lincoln Riley in his five years. And uh, listen, 
And you've I, been around the program a lot. Like it's I, not like you've been nowhere I, to be seen. Right. And it's and that never bothered me. I Lincoln and I, I feel like we always understood each other, right? He was there for the ball and that was it. But so when people hear BV talk about developing real relationships with guys and like meaningful relationships with his players, that was such a great example because that happened before he set all that stuff up on the stage. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's just him. That's how he approaches it. So that was one of those things where I think some people probably hear that and they're like, oh, okay, I hadn't seen the guy in 10 years and I played offense. I didn't even, I, I didn't even play defense. Like, I'm surprised he recognized you. I, well, you you're gotta 60 remember, pounds lighter than you were. Oh, you, you were tied in. I look like what I looked like when I got there <laughs> right. now. So, yeah, I was a little surprised. He just grabbed, hey, what's up, man? I was like, I, I honestly, I didn't think he would remember me. I did. Yeah. And not only that, he asked me how my parents were. It was just, it was so different. <laughs> I mean, it was different. So I just, the, the guy's genuine. And it's fun. I, I don't know. But like, it's, I, I don't know how this is going to go. I expect him to win a lot of games. I love that he said, I'm the guy to take you guys into the SEC. That was awesome. But w- when, you, when you just think about it, like, okay, does this guy keep things in perspective? And, like, what does he practice what he, pre- what he preaches? That was one of those examples where I was like, oh, yeah, that is kind of him. Yeah. And the other thing is um, he is – He's not a a workaholic in a sense that he, you know, because he talked about the balance, the work life balance that he was worried about taking the head coaching job, right? You know, he told that story with his daughter, but um, he, he's a workaholic in a sense that whenever he's working, he's working, right? I, and he's been at it since since he made the announcement and they got him going on Sunday night. It's been nonstop. I talked to him last night and he was getting on the plane in Vegas and I was like, Oh, cool. You go out to see coach Stoops. And he's like, nah, we're working. Uh, so out there seeing players and stuff. So it's, you know, because of the nature of the timing and the deadlines that we're working up against right now, it's going to be it for the next like 10 days or however long it's going to be a brutal schedule and he's on top of it no packet of spark is safe on this planet <laughs> no doubt <laughs> all right we we got to talk about schmitty's coming back dude but first the only place to stop when you're road tripping is loves travel stops loves has over 560 locations in 41 states offering 24 hour access to clean and safe places whatever your road trip needs are loves has it Fuel, fresh food, drinks, and of course, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. 
First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more, they do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Okay, we, we've talked a lot about how things are going to be different with, with Brent Venables as the head coach. They're going to be very different now that Jerry Schmidt is coming back to lead the strength program. So I, I do want to say this. This hire is going to set the culture for the entire program. I don't think there was a bad culture necessarily under Benny Wiley. Like I loved Benny Wiley as a person. He was cool as hell. He was great to me, but the most alarming thing over the last couple of years, you know, doing all the OU stuff that we do, Ted, is the fact that not one, not one guy has told me a horror story from a workout. Not one. I want, not one guy has come up to me and been, dude, I thought I was going to die. Which, when we get together, Ted, with guys we played with, is pretty much all we talk about other than the games. So, I, and games are like, we talk about games and stuff, but that's like down the road. Everyone, it's just horror stories about how people have literally almost died out there. <laughs> it's crazy. Good crazy. So, so, and you, I've talked to some guys and it's like this week, and obviously Schmidty's not there and hasn't implemented his style yet, but. It's like their time in sprints. I had a couple guys say, man, that's the first time we've timed runs in a really long time. And I'm just looking at them like, what? So it's going to be different. It was, I think it was a more scientific, like heart, heart rate based approach under Benny Wiley. It's, it's just going to be work now, man. And, and there's clearly. probably going to be a ceremony of throwing away the heart rate monitors into a dumpster somewhere. <laughs> that would that would be very on brand for a ceremonial man. flushing of the technology. But Tuesday morning, you know, we started getting some texts that Jerry Schmidt coming back was a real possibility. And I think every guy that's gone through the program when he was a strength and conditioning coach, like, we all started smiling, and we, we, we were like, we're happy because there's, there's no guy on earth that's going to get more out of you than Jerry Schmidt. Like, he, he makes you do things that you didn't think you were capable of doing. That's why he is one of the best. But also, I just I feel so bad for the current players, man. It's going to be miserable. Well, right now, ignorance is bliss. Um, because the anxiety that comes with the off season, 
just the thought of like at the end of a grinding season, it's like you're you're kind of ready to do something else. But on the other side of that something else waits winter workouts, which is um you know just another totally brutal thing that comes with anxiety every night, every morning, hard to sleep. Uh, as soon as you wake up, it's like trying to figure out what the group in front of you did and trying to gauge what the people walking out of the workout look like. And there's like gators, you know, carrying <laughs> wounded players back to the uh, training hall. It's yeah, it's there's the whole level of anxiety that comes with it. It's it's going to be different, but yeah, from you know, from some of the conversations, it, it sounds like that Schmitty is going to have full control of all that stuff. And now he he's not going to be the guy he was like back in 1999, right? Uh, obviously, you learn more. Like there there is more there there's more data out there now like sports science has clearly come a long way in the last you know 20 plus years but the like i know a lot of people have poked fun at you know, people in the program saying oh we're close there's no close with schmitty man it's it's either you get it done or you don't and if you don't you come back and four <laughs> like I, how many people have you seen diving, collapsing over lines, trying to get their time? <laughs> Dude, I, there was a, there was a stretch in like 2010 where I could not eat Alfredo pasta. Like I just, like when I put it in my mouth, I had like a, like a, <laughs> a, almost like a gag reflex because my freshman year, I threw up so much during summer workouts and a couple of the times it was Alfredo pasta that I'd eaten because like they wanted me to gain weight and all this stuff. And I was like, okay. And I, I couldn't eat it for like a solid eight months, dude. <laughs> it was like, it was just like every time I would smell it, I'd be like, I would like shiver and like, Oh, Oh, that's great. I love the fact that if you had Alfredo pasta in your stomach, that means that you were an afternoon workout group. Oh, <laughs> in the heat. <laughs> it was awful, man. It's awful. Great. And my, my freshman year, I broke my foot twice. And it, or so it, my senior year of high school in basketball, I broke my foot twice back to back. Like I broke it, it healed. Then I rebroke it again. And I got cleared like out of a boot June 1st, the first day of summer workout. <laughs> it was, did I, my freshman summer is it was the worst, like worst stretch of my life. There's, there's no doubt. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's how it's supposed to be. Now, uh, this may be a conversation for another day, but I will, uh, I will just say that, you know, I had a friend in town recently and he, until, uh, two years ago was the head strength coach for Wisconsin. And now he's the defensive line coach for him. But, we were having this conversation and he was talking about like work capacity and stuff like that and how far down it's gone over the past uh, like decade or 20 years. And 
the bad news for the current players is so the guy that kind of wrote the gospel on like the work capacity and the recovery and the way that a lot of a lot of schools have their their program like their practice schedule and all of that the guy that kind of wrote the book on that has recently come out and said yeah man i i think we were wrong i think that i think that the work capacity it needs to be way higher and we've we've done more damage to players by the rest and all of, all like the current thinking then then we've done good we have to re-examine and go back to like it's the injuries have gone up they haven't gone down so stay tuned oh boy <laughs> and i'm sure i, I know a lot of people want to want us to tell Schmitty stories on here. Uh, I, I'm sure we'll sprinkle some in uh, throughout the offseason. Okay, got to talk about the staff, right? Entire defensive staff is out. I mean, that's you, you look at it, what Odom heading to USC, uh, Jamar Kane heading to USC. And I talked to Jamar on Monday, and I'm, I'm bummed to see him go. He's a, he's a hell of a football coach, and he wanted to be at Oklahoma, right? You, you got to remember. He left, he left Arizona State because he wanted the stability of being at OU. Right? He's got yeah. he's got kids, and he thought that if he went to OU, like he could get to, get his kids through high school, right? And I I think a lot of people, you know this this whole situation has been horrible for a bunch of these assistant coaches, and sometimes you you forget about that aspect of things and. It's just a good reminder that you know being a coach is it's a grind. So wow. he he had multiple offers on the table. Kane did, and I think he took the one that is going to provide the most stability, right? And that's going back and and basically saying, "Hey, all right, I I'll, I'll be with Grinch. I'll be you know with Lincoln, and Lincoln's clearly going to be at USC for a long, long time." Yeah, I think USC is I, – I honestly believe that they're going to do some good stuff there. Uh, I think that – especially on the defensive side, I think for the time being, like right now immediately, I think it's going to be easier for them to get like top recruits like, on the line of scrimmage out there than they, than they had the ability to get here. Now, I think that's going to change here in the very near term with, with Venables being the guy in, in the – cachet that he brings but you know it's interesting this like this situation that we've seen play out with Lincoln going to USC and then like the staff kind of thrown into turmoil that's college football we haven't seen that around here I the stability and the continuity that we've had at Oklahoma is that's not normal it's not most places it's three or four years at a spot then you know if you're lucky, you know, you get to maybe take an upgrade somewhere. If you're not, your your staff gets fired and you're off looking for, for jobs and, and being downgraded. But what we've seen at Oklahoma and what we're used to is not the norm. Right, Gil Gundy, who's been an assistant for over 20 years here. Uh, you know, Bo, who's now been through three staffs as an assistant here. Like that, that stuff is not normal. So, um like what we've seen defensively is a little more, unfortunately, typical college football. Right. Um, 
rest of the defensive staff, right? Roy Manning in a shocking development joining the USC staff. Oh, yeah, that is that is a bit strange. Um, that, that is a, a, a surprise. Now, uh, sounds like Tibbs has some really good offers. And, you know, I, it's it's unfortunate seeing him go you know how much he cares about OU and Gabe Dindy left with him, right? Flipped to Texas A&M. But Tibbs is a really good coach, really good, really good coach. He's got some big time power five offers, teams that want him to be their defensive line coach. So he, he's going to land on his feet. But, man, you hate. You hate seeing one one of our own moving on, man. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, and there's a couple of them, you know, Odom, former player here, and Tibbs, former player. And I honestly believe that that defensive staff did some really good things. Um, there's also obviously some has been some some headwinds around here and in this conference in playing defense. Um, I think. Number one, I think the mentality in this conference has slowly changed. And number two, I think now that you've got a defensive background head coach that some of those things are going to be a little bit easier to do uh, in the day-to-day. But I think that staff did a good job. And I think I, – I do believe that they're going to put together a good defense at USC. Yeah. And then as far as who they're going to hire as the defensive coordinator, do you have – you got any idea? I mean, you're the one that's going to be able to talk directly to Venables about it. So I, I, I don't really, we, it, it's kind of a guessing game at this point. So I, I don't know where the connections are. Maybe it's someone that's coaching in the college football playoffs. So they got to wait to announce it. I, I don't know, but it seems like there's a couple names being floated out there that everyone is seeing. So I, I just, it'll happen when it happens. It's interesting because, you know, he's going to hire a defensive coordinator and he's going to hire a defensive coordinator uh, that coaches linebackers. So I don't know who that could be. There's there's a couple of thought processes out there. You know, you've got you got several guys coaching in the college football playoff that kind of fit that description that are highly sought after guys. So, um I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see exactly who it's going to be. For whatever reason, you know, I was really concerned with the offensive coordinator hire and the timing of it. But, you know, with the defensive side, for whatever reason, well, I mean, I know why, because Venables, I feel like, is going to be overseeing the defense pretty heavily early on. I, I, He's basically your acting defensive coordinator right now, right, until – he makes that higher. So on the recruiting trail doesn't really mean nearly as much as the offensive coordinator did. And I trust that hire and I feel bad for that hire uh, because he's going to be coaching linebackers and the defensive coordinator and the head coach is probably going to be sitting in his meeting room every single day. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be a, uh, an interesting dynamic to work through. Yeah. Offensively. Bill Biedenboe, staying. Joe John Finley, staying. DeMarco Murray, staying. Kale Gundy, staying. And Jeff Lebby, officially the offensive coordinator. Ted, I know you have expressed some frustration with how long it took to get Lebby in, but it's done. Are you okay? Have you calmed down? Everything okay? 
I'm okay. I've calmed down. There's, there was some frustration. I'm just, you know, like I'm sitting here saying the clock is ticking. Let's, let's do this thing. Let's go. Um, you know, frankly, I feel like we could have <laughs> made this exact coaching hire, head coach and offensive coordinator last Monday, but uh, I, I get it. There's boxes to check and, and, you know, we've got to go through the process the right way. It's tough. Time is of the essence, but we've got it done. And I'm, I'm thrilled. I think we are in a really, really good position offensively. I know there's one thing they want to do, and that is be physical and uh, gear up, boys, because we're going to have some extended inside periods, I think. It's going to be fun. Yeah, uh, I know to watch people for see. Us. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Not for the players, but for us. Um, I, I know people see what Ole Miss has done offensively. Don't get it twisted, man. They want to run the football. And I, I think that Levy coming in, clearly Caleb Williams, keeping Caleb Williams is top of the priority list. And you, you look at what he did with Matt Corral, uh, how his draft stock has improved. Now, now, I'm sure they ran Corral more this year than they wanted to, but that was because a bunch of their wide receivers, their two best wide receivers, missed extended time. There for, for Ole Miss. So, man, there's going to be a lot of guys that want to play in that system. And if Caleb Williams doesn't want to play in that system, I think Dylan Gabriel would come right away and be the quarterback for Oklahoma. So we'll, we'll see how that all plays out. But that's not a bad backup option. Ted, like, no, obviously, not. the Sooners want to keep Caleb Williams. He's going to be a star. But having Dylan Gabriel sitting there, just waiting to see what happens. That is, that's a comforting feeling. No, it is. And I'll tell you right now, and this is, this has nothing to do with Caleb Williams. I want him to be the quarterback. There's no doubt about that. That's who I want. But if he transfers, we will be fine. Totally fine. I, I, you know, I, I won't, I, it would not change like my prediction of what this team looks like next season or the season after that's, that's how strongly I feel about the offense that we're about to have. Right. I'm with you. All right, let's move on to call your shot. And we asked y'all with, with everything that has happened this week, what's got you most excited uh, for OU football. This first one comes from Taylor wind. He says for the first time in a long time, I'm excited about the future of OU football. Boomer. I, I, He's just, he's just excited, Ted. I, I don't blame the man. It's crazy that Lincoln leaving has gotten more people excited about our future. Like typically, a fan base. Uh, this says a lot about the stability of Oklahoma and the and the and how great this program is. That whenever you have a coach that pretty much universally would be considered a top five coach in college football leaves and everyone is now excited about the future, right? I mean, that's kind of where we were. We had, we had hit a bit of a plateau. It feels like, and people are re-energized and people that, you know, weren't as, as close to what was going on with the program, maybe felt a little bit, you know, they, they kind of just drifted away for whatever reason are back. And in a big way, it's pretty cool. 
Heath Newland, he doesn't use any words, Ted. He just responded with one picture. And this is something that our YouTube viewers will love. It is just Jerry Schmidt in a coat and tie with quite the devious smirk on his face. People, people are fired up. I, I feel like people, and it's funny because people have heard, you know, all the guys that went through that program uh, when he was the strength coach, like we, we all have our stories, right? We've all told a few of our stories publicly and people are so excited for him to come back because they've heard about our suffering. It's weird, but like, I, I know why they're excited and I'm excited too, right? The toughness, the physicality, all of that, but man, Schmitty coming back almost has people more excited than Bittables getting the job. Well, I'll tell you what's crazy is, and you know, Schmitty coming back is to reemphasize he would not have come back if he couldn't do it his way. And that's why he went to Texas A&M is because he could do it his way. And Jimbo Fisher at the time made him the highest paid strength and conditioning coach in the entire country. I don't know if that's the case anymore like if there's been other deals since then but that's how highly coveted he was so to leave that and come back tells you all you need to know about how it's going to be done here and I don't know that there's an in, another fan base in the country that would throw a party for the strength who the strength coach is coming back like Oklahoma is right now right that's kind of unique uh, yeah uh, a little bit and last one Brian Britt says how literally everyone in the Sooner family rallied together to not only survive this situation, but emerge from it stronger than before positioned for greatness. Let's freaking go. I, I feel like that's now right. Brent Vittables has not coached one football game as the head coach at Oklahoma, but I feel like everyone is just fired up for what's to come. It is you. You talked about it. I mean, it is, it's, it's a little odd like this. They'd had so much success, but it, it still now we're feel really like, going to be good. Right. Yeah. But now <laughs> it's like, okay, this is what's going to get us over the hump and, and we'll see only time will tell. But yeah, I think the way that Brian feels is the way that a lot of people around here feel. I do too. And I feel like we may have set a record as a fan base over the last week for LFGs. Right, I've I've used a lot of them, a lot of them, <laughs> a lot of LFGs floating around out there. This is this has been a LFG heavy week, which is a good thing. Yeah. All right, birthday shout outs. Happy fortieth birthday to Joshua Norid, Salina, Kansas's finest. Josh, how about that? Happy birthday, fortieth birthday, Salina, Kansas. Uh, Venable spent a good chunk of his childhood in Salina, Kansas. What are the odds? Think of, I mean, just amazing. Happy 46th birthday to Scott. And I'm going to need some help here, Ted. New bro, new bro, yeah. new bro, N E W B R O U G H. Scott, new bro. Happy birthday. Happy 48th birthday to Rick Eden. You're the man, Rick. Happy birthday, Rick. Happy second birthday to Hazel Vinda. Uh, she's not going to hear this because Hazel is a dog, 
We're starting oh. to get a lot of dog birthday requests, Teddy. Happy birthday, DMs. Hazel. Okay. The podcast DMs. Uh, this is a good one. Happy ninth wedding anniversary to Jenny and Chris Bruner. Happy anniversary, guys. Happy anniversary, guys. And shout out. This was a first. Shout out to Dr. Fadi Bala. Keep doing the work, man. Keep helping people. You're saving lives. Great job. Oh, now we're doing occupational shout outs. Shout out to Dr. Fadi Bala. Awesome. Keep it up. All right. Let's get the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing and will design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, Schmitty is here, but does that really matter? It's always hard seltzer season. I don't know if that fits, but I uh, thought I'd it throw works. it in there. Nailed it. <laughs> and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like cherry limeade and ocean water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. Okay, three big headlines for the National College Football Roundup. Uh, let's start with Mario Cristobal. Left Oregon, took the job at Miami. Now, he's a Miami guy, right? He's from there. Won two national championships as a player there, coach there. Like, he's a Miami guy. Family is there. So, it's a good reminder to everyone. And this comes up in recruiting a lot, but it means a lot to coaches, to players, to anyone being close to home, right? There, there's just nothing replacing being close to your family. You get a great thing going at Oregon, right? Won a couple, couple Pac-12 championships. They were recruiting really, really well. Now, they had some disappointing losses over the last couple of years, there's no doubt, but he, he had that thing rolling. And he left, and he said this publicly, he left when he thinks next year is like by far going to be his best team. So that when home... When home calls, Teddy, it's it's hard not to answer, man. So, Cristobal, back to Miami. Any surprise at all to you? Um, I guess it's not really a surprise. This year has been a surprise. I, who would have thought in one year you would have Oklahoma, Florida, USC, LSU, Oregon, Notre Dame, like that's the, that's the top 10 every year. 
of schools pretty much recently, right? That's crazy. And I'm probably missing one uh, in there as well. So that's what's been crazy is that all of those jobs and not just jobs, those are big ones. Those are big, big jobs that have uh, had turnover, whether they fired guys or people have left. There's going to be a lot of new head coaches in some really big roles. And, you know, I thought it was interesting. You know, you said that, you know, going back home or being close to home is important to people. And, you know, everyone's got different things at different times in their career that are level of importance. You heard coach Venables, like he values a lot of things more than what some other head coaches may value. Um, you know, he, he values time with his, his family and, and stuff like that. And he had to make, it had to be the right place at the right time. And, and all of those things to, to make sense. And, you know, for uh, Cristobal going back to Miami, where he's from, where he played, he talked about, you know, the, the battle wounds and the scars that he's got on his body from being there. And it, it means a whole heck of a lot to him. So it's not that surprising, honestly. And it's a good, good hire for Miami, which is a place that can get incredible talent, but there's, it's been hard to get that thing rolling again. Yeah. And one of the criticisms of that program has been that, Hey, they just don't want to spend like the big boys. Well, that changed, right? Because what Manny Diaz's buyout was like 8 million. They paid Mario Cristobal's buyout at Oregon. That was 9 million. And I think they gave Mario, what 10 years, 80 million. It's a big contract, man. And big, with big money and committed a bunch of stuff to him. Like he wasn't coming unless he had, a commitment to when it, when it comes to, you know, the salary pool for his assistance, support staff facilities, like all that stuff, he's getting all of it. And people are like, where the hell is all this cash coming from, from Miami? And it turns out a couple billionaires are like, you know what? We're what, Hey, we'll spend the money. But also turns out the, uh, the Miami university of Miami health system made a massive profit last year and they're dipping into that it's that had some people going wait 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 that doesn't seem right but hey man it it benefits the university of miami as a whole for them to be good at football so they spent the cash man and i i I think a lot of people it, it got a lot of people's attention in the acc like okay miami's finally they're finally going all in they're finally ponying up dollars and investing in the program and I'll, I'll say this, um, there is, for anyone that's that's curious as to whether or not the, the playoff expansion is going to happen, and I know they had, what, an announcement yesterday about they couldn't reach a conclusion and they're going to meet again in January, and if it doesn't get done then, then, you know, it's not going to happen. It's happening. You look at the money schools are all of a sudden spending – I, there's something on the horizon that everyone knows about. And I think it's the expanded playoff and a bunch, bunch of schools are going to be getting way more revenue. They know that and they're investing it already. That's what I personally believe. Yeah. All right. Heisman trophy. It's been, man, it's been a really weird year for the Heisman. I mean, a really weird year and uh, they're going to pass it out Saturday night on ESPN and Bryce Young's going to win, right? You look at the betting odds. He's like minus 4,000 now 
just a massive favorite to win the award. But, you know, when you look at what got Bryce Young there, I, that Georgia game, right? I, I feel like we've been looking for like the last month, we've been looking for someone to run away with this thing. And that was it. That was the moment for Bryce Young. And it's the most impressive thing I've seen all year in college football was the way that he was just ripping it down the field against that Georgia defense. So he's going to win it. We'll talk about the other finalists, but Bryce Young going to win this thing on Saturday night. But I don't know. It just, we always knew he was in contention, but for whatever reason, it never felt like, oh yeah, he's undoubtedly going to be the guy. But now, I mean, it's one of the, one of the biggest betting favorites heading into this ceremony that I can remember. And it's, it's, it's just, it's crazy. Um, the craziest thing about this is Alabama, how many national championships do they have now? 18, 19. I don't know what they claim, but they've been on a run over the last decade or, or, you know, I guess 14 or so years, 12 or, or so years of, ripping off championships or either playing in it or being in it almost every single year. It's crazy. Bryce Young is about to be the first quarterback in Alabama history to win a Heisman trophy. Just that's crazy. That it's like hard with, with what we've known since Saban got, got there. It's almost like, I, I feel like you're lying to me. Dead, you know, because uh, that can't be correct. Uh, there's no way that's true. <laughs> right? But, yeah. I mean, yeah. and I, I'll say this. I'm not sure this is the last one he's going to win. I know. That's, that is a, that is a bit scary for sure. And I think it, I think maybe it was Brady Quinn that was the one that kind of predicted. He was like, hey, Bryce Young's going to win two Heisman trophies. So Brady's probably doing jumping jacks and cartwheels looking I told you so but crazy the kid is he's ultra talented I talked to Orlovsky about him and he says like so much of what Bryce Young does in the pocket and like the way he plays the game reminds him of Aaron Rodgers I was like oh okay that's casual you know I hadn't thought about that but he's got like a bounce to him in the pocket that looks different than everyone else, doesn't it? I mean, it just looks, I don't know. It looks really, really special. He's got like a, it's almost like he's spring loaded whenever he's in the pocket. And I know there's a bunch, he, you know, there's some really good athletes at quarterback across the country. We watched one here at OU all year. It, he just, I don't know, like the technique and the way that he moves in the pocket is, is uh, it's great. And that that's a that's a pretty big comparison there. Yeah, very very polished and clearly just ultra ultra talented. Okay, the other finalists. I know this one had to bring some joy to your heart, Ted. Aiden Hutchinson, the stud edge player from Michigan. Uh, guy's got fifty eight tackles on the year, fourteen sacks. But this guy has been dominant down the stretch for the Wolverines. He was dominant against Ohio State and just wrecked Iowa and Michigan's in the playoff 
and you think of, okay, who is the face of Michigan football right now? It's undoubtedly Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, it's not the quarterback. It's not Cade McNamara. It's Hutchinson and the weird little I, I black thing he does. Like he, he was the one after, after the Ohio State game. Who are they interviewing? They're interviewing Hutchinson. So I think the way he's played in the biggest games, uh, the amount of QB pressures he's racked up this season is just absurd. But this is also a guy that could end up being the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. But I, I got no problem with him making it. And if Bryce Young, if Bryce Young wouldn't have had that game against Georgia, I'm not sure he wouldn't have a pretty legit chance of winning it. Yeah. What's crazy is this was the year of the defense in college football. It really was. It was, it was, there was some great defense being played across the country. And um, Aiden Hutchinson was, was fantastic, but Will Anderson, how he's not there, and I, why am I drawing a blank on the big Georgia defensive lineman? I Jordan mean, there Davis. Was, yeah, there was a point, uh, you know, 75, 80% of the way through the season where everyone's like, should he be uh, up for the Heisman? And, you know, it's crazy that there, you almost had two defensive linemen at the Heisman finalist uh, ceremony, which there should be. There should and be Alabama for at least the second year in a row should have had multiple players on their team at the Heisman finalist ceremony. Okay. So you mentioned Will Anderson. I'm not sure who he offended. Like what happened? Like there's a couple of words that he's not a finalist for that. I'm like, wait, how, how is that possible? Like, do these people watch the games? Like, he has been the most dominant defensive player in college football. He has 32 and a half tackles for loss. It's crazy. Wait, 15 and a half sacks, but 32 and a half tackles for loss. That's like double the amount of TFLs that Hutchinson has. That's crazy. That's and he's be doing close it in the SEC. A, yeah. Those, those numbers are, those are like, Terrell Suggs numbers whenever he was at what Arizona state, whenever he was coming out, um, that's gotta be close. It's probably not close to Alabama records because I haven't looked it up in a long time, but when Derek Thomas was at Alabama, his numbers were insane. So, but that, yeah, he's come on. There's no doubt he should be there. Yeah. I'm with the other, uh, like he's, he's the biggest snub in my mind. The other big snub is, is Kenneth Walker. The third, he, he was the star for a Michigan state team that had a fantastic season. He was their workhorse, man. Mel Tucker should give him some of that signing bonus because no Kenneth Walker the third played a big role in that man, getting that contract. He, he, he was great, but they just didn't have the team success late in the year. Uh, Kenny Pickett is the finalist. He'll be there in New York. I wonder if some people thought about revoking his invite after the fake slide in the ACC championship game. I, I can only imagine your reaction when you saw that clip, Ted, because you, you, you tend to, you tend to be upset at times, not all the time, just at times with some of the rules that favor offensive players 
in football now. And that one, like, I couldn't believe it. I could, even as an offensive guy, I was like, oh, that's not right. You shouldn't be able to do that. He's, he's down. That play, he's down. If he initiates a slide, like, you're not down in college football where you end up with the football whenever you slide. You're down where you initiate the slide, right? So if you're going to initiate a slide, you should be down right there. Um, yeah, it's crap, but, you know, just I, I want everyone to re- – I'm glad he did it. I want everyone to remember that the next time a quarterback tries to get away with the late slide and gets pounded right in the face, okay, you can blame Kenny Pickett for that, and they shouldn't flag it. They, the offense got one, got away with one. The defense should be able to get away with one. It's just uh, anyone's guess as to who it's going to be. Yeah. I Now, he did. He had a great year. His stats are awesome. Uh, Pitt won a lot of games. They uh, won the ACC championship. So, and It I'm was sure a great play. I mean, it, it, it was It was, <laughs> it was cool. pretty sweet. But I was like, part of me was like, oh, that's smart. And then I was like, ah, that's, that's kind of bullshit. Like, even <laughs> I, and you know me, I'm. I'm always on the offensive side of things, but I was just like, ah, that, that, that should be blown dead. But it, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure a guy in college football has improved his NFL draft stock more than Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he may end up being the first quarterback off the board and it is a, it is a weak draft for quarterbacks. And I think Kenny Pickett fake slide null made himself a, a boatload of cash with the way that he played this season. Doesn't it doesn't his name sound like a first round pick off of like a movie or something? Absolutely. <laughs> like, I feel like the uh We gotta the, take Pickett, coach. What was the quarterback's name in Jerry Maguire that was the the first round quarterback? Oh. It, it feels like that would have been the perfect name, Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, you got to take Pickett, coach. <laughs> He's the only choice. Uh, last finalist, C.J. Stroud. Uh, most surprising finalist in my mind now. Clearly great numbers, but Ohio State underachieved. And you look at – now, he, he led the country in QBR, and, and that's, that's impressive. And he had stretches where you're just like, dang, this guy is – this guy's playing good ball, but – with all the weapons he had offensively to not even make it to the Big Ten championship game, uh, why is he there? Why is he going to be there? Will, Will Anderson should be there instead of him. I agree. But it, it's, a, it's a vote thing, and here's the thing. We see this crap all the time where people turn in their votes before you see the final, like, the, the final weekend of college football and CJ Stroud, you look at all the numbers and what Ohio state had been doing and you say, well, they're going to beat Michigan. I'll just go ahead and submit my, uh, my vote that CJ Stroud, you know, be there second place, third place, first place, whatever. So my guess is that's how it happened. Um, but you know, biggest game of the year, you underperform it's, uh, he's not going to win it. I guess it really doesn't matter, but, it's a good it's a good leg forward for trying to win it next year. Kid's just a redshirt freshman, man. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt his future is extremely bright. He just he shouldn't be a Heisman Trophy finalist. 
I, I have, I have a good idea to any television network. And I would assume ESPN, they, they've got all the Heisman trophy stuff. You make the Heisman finalists reveal into a 30 minute TV show. I don't know why they're not monetizing this. There should be five finalists. First of all, let's make it easy, right? Make their, make it be five. No matter and what, top five vote getters, right? Top five vote getters are in, and it's it's the same. Now you you can reveal them in alphabetical order, so that way people don't know who's going to win or who got the most votes. Mm-hmm. But what you do is you put cameras at the guys' houses, and you've got like the top seven or eight. So you get to see the elation of guys that are Heisman Trophy finalists, but you also get to see guys the get their hearts broken on television when they realize they're not a finalist. It's, it's an easy way to make money. Ted, why, are, why aren't they doing this? It's another way for us to exploit people's um, pain or happiness. Let's do it. This is that, what TV is all about. That's America, man. <laughs> that's America. What are we doing? You can sell, you can sell ad dollars for sure. I just, okay. Last thing, uh, the Texas Longhorns, they're throwing money around, man. I mean, they are, they're throwing money around, uh, the, the big money bag people there in Austin, they're launching something called the Clark field collective, where they've secured an initial pledge of $10 million. For Texas name, image, and likeness activities. Uh, also on August 1st, Horns with Heart will la- launch what they are calling the Pancake Factory. It is a ni- an initiative that will give all scholarship offensive linemen $50,000 annually for use of their NIL and participating in charitable causes. And Jeff Ketchum from Orange Bloods tweeted something out that said word on the street is that first round draft pick level NIL money is on the table for Quinn Ewers. If he chooses Texas as his transfer destination, and it is down to Texas and Texas tech for Ewers. The, uh, the Longhorns are, they're responding. They're responding the way I thought they would to having such a bad season. Yeah. They're just, just throw money at the problem. That'll fix it. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. I, for those who were championing, I given the players a share and all that, I, and I've got no problem. I, I, like, I don't care about that. It's if that's what, what they want to do, that's fine. But this is what you've asked for, you know, $50,000 annually for for use of their name, image, and likeness and participating in charitable causes. They're not going to do anything. I Okay, maybe they show up for a couple of, um, you know, I don't know, charity events or whatever, but it's what they're saying is we're paying our offensive linemen $50,000 a year. I mean, that's it. There's, there's really no, there's no connection here. It's not for your most popular guy. Like it's, there's not like a market for the big left tackle. And like, there's people that want, we want to have this guy represent our company. That's not what it is. They're just putting a ton of money together and paying you. Like, it's not a market value for your name, image, and likeness. We've just compiled a 
ton of money that we're going to give to you guys. Like, that's really all it is. We're just, we're paying guys. It's not, they're not getting compensated for their name image. Does that, you know, am I saying that properly? You get what I'm talking about? I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. It's just a pile of money that they're paying guys with. It's, it's not like finally guys get to take advantage of their, the marketing of their name, image, and likeness. They're just straight up paying guys, which, you know, for Texas, is not going to fix the problem that they've had. It's probably going to make their problems worse, right? Yeah. And as far as the Ewers thing, first of all, the kid, you know, he has finessed the situation extremely well, right? Went to Ohio State, left high school early because the state of Texas wouldn't let him make money off his name, image, and likeness when he was still in high school. He made a bunch of money. At Ohio State, I, I think he got some equity in a kombucha company, like whatever. But he, I, I'm assuming he made a big chunk of change. And now he pretty much gets to pick where he wants to go. Sounds like it'll be Texas or Texas Tech. I, I, I'm assuming he ends up at the University of Texas, but you never know. But the thing that, the thing that I disagree with, it's like, if you're Quinn Ewers, Yes, the NIL money is great, but Trevor Lawrence got $37 million as the number one overall pick last year. That's what the focus needs to be if you're a Quinn Ewers, because everyone talks about the kid's got incredible arm talent. There's no doubt about it. I've heard, you know, I've talked to Jim Nagy about it, the guy that runs the senior bowl. He's like, I've seen him throw. It's elite. It's elite. He he needs to worry about going somewhere that will make him the best football player because yes, you can make some good NIL money, but no one's giving you $37 million as a college quarterback. It's just, it's not going to happen. So he needs to go somewhere where he's going to develop as a player. And he needs to go somewhere that is going to make him into the first pick overall. Because that is where the life-altering money is going to come. Not, not from businesses in Austin, right? It's going, the life-altering money for Quinn Ewers comes from the National Football League, right? You see quarterbacks now making $40, 45000000 million a year. That's what his focus should be. Not, okay, who's, who's offering me the most NIL money? It should be, no, who's going to make me into a player that I can, the, the best player I can be, where I can be the number one overall pick and make life altering money in the National Football League. That should be that kid's focus now, especially if he's got a nice chunk of change in his bank account already. Like he needs to, he needs to keep the main thing the main thing from now on, in my opinion. Why is he transferring from Ohio State? Because CJ Stroud is really good. <laughs> so, we're going to throw first round NIL money. I don't believe guy. that, by the way. No I don't way. know what that means really either, but I don't believe that. I, th- no. He's leaving because he wasn't the best quarterback on the roster at the school he was just at, the school that didn't win the Big Ten championship. Um, I'll tell you a red flag. Do you remember when Tua was at Alabama and Jalen Hurts had won a national championship, right? But all anyone talked about was, oh, my God, 
yeah, Jalen's good, but this Tua guy that's on campus is wait till you see him. Heard that about Bryce Young. We heard that about, you know, Caleb Williams whenever he was he was here in the spring. I never heard anything coming out of Ohio State about Ewers. And I know he was good in high school, and there's plenty of film out there of him and the Elite 11 stuff, but I'm just telling you right now, my gut feeling is this is wherever he ends up, it's not going to be good. Maybe well, I'm maybe it's a bad conclusion to come to after just kind of seeing how the transfer and the NIL stuff is going, but I don't know, man. I I I don't see it going well. Yeah. We'll we'll see. I'm gonna give the kid a chance because he, there's no doubt he's got talent, but yeah, he needs to he needs to focus. Focus on on becoming he needs to focus on football. Right. And and that is what ultimately will make him big money. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first. Concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with soft rocks, rubber safety surfacing. Spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft rock of OKC specializes in customized slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair clacks, repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children in the OKC Metro, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Head football coach Bob Stoops. Um, What a week for Coach Stoops, right? You are named interim head coach of the Sooners, have to go out on the road recruiting, taking care of head coaching duties, um, all the stuff that surrounds that. Um, also take care of your television obligations with with Fox, the big new kickoff crew. Um, then you go and get inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. No big deal, right? Uh, I just think it's so cool. You know, the day before he gets inducted into the college football hall of fame 
a former player of his, played linebacker for him at Kansas State, coached for him as a linebacker coach, defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Um, you know, a guy that he's no doubt been a mentor to throughout his his uh, ascend in, in college football. When Venables takes over the day before you're inducted into the Hall of Fame, that's just it's just been such a roller coaster, crazy ten days or so for Coach Stoops, but so awesome to see him get inducted in the Hall of Fame. And everyone else knows that he rejected the money, but he's getting it anyways, forcing which, it in there, <laughs> which doesn't hurt. Force right? transfer. That's right. Which doesn't hurt either. But yeah, it's. It's awesome. It is. And, and the guy deserves it. You you think about just his imprint on Oklahoma. This is one of the most storied programs in all of college football. And you look at what he did as the coach and how he just, how he just calmed everyone down, right? When uh, this fan base was in a panic. I mean, says everything you need to know about the guy. And then you, you just talk about his impact on this program. It's, it's kind of hard to measure, right? He, he, he stopped everyone from panicking. And then a guy he coached, molded, mentored, takes over. It's just, I mean, Bob Stoops, he, he, he's OU football. That's what he is. Yep. That's right. Uh, such a cool thing, man. It's awesome to see that. And, um, like just the week of news for him, man. He's been in the spotlight, right? It's crazy. It's awesome. And I don't think he changed his polo on the recruiting trail. I think he just rocked the same shirt the whole time. I love that. Very relatable. I don't think he, he was probably golfing on Sunday in that same polo. Hasn't changed it since then. Right. <laughs> You're He's still wearing right. his golf cleats in those, in those pictures with recruits. It's awesome. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week? Oh, uh, I thought this was uh, pretty funny. I mean, I hate to laugh at the situation, but LSU's not going to have a scholarship quarterback for their bowl game. Um, Max Johnson's in the transfer portal. Now, the Nussmeyer kid, the freshman, he's already played in his allotted four games. So if he plays in the bowl game, he'd have to burn – his redshirt year, a year of eligibility. So they're going walk on, I guess, at quarterback, or maybe they'll just direct snap it the entire game. I don't know. I hate that for Brad Davis, who's the um, the interim head coach of Oklahoma offensive lineman. I played with him. Fantastic guy. He's got a great story. But I couldn't help but look at that for LSU and just kind of laugh a bit. Well, the good thing for LSU is if Skylar Thompson can't play for Kansas State, they're pretty much in the same situation with Will Howard at quarterback. Oh, my gosh. You don't even have to uh, – like they LSU should just put their defense out there for offense and just wait, you know, punt it, whatever. No big deal. You don't even have to play a quarterback. Just wait till Will Howard. You'll be scoring on defense. Feel How bad many, for that kid, man. It's crazy. It's that, just – you know, you know how Monday Night Football went with with the Bills yeah. and Patriots the other night, where where Jones only threw it three times. 
if if Kansas State doesn't have Skylar Thompson in that game, that's what it's going to look like. Yeah. That's what that like game that. is going to be. Except he'll be two of three for 32 yards and a pick six. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's like how that will go. It's, it's, it's the most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but, yeah, yeah it's uh, pretty tough there for LSU. Brad Davis, awesome guy. Hot sauce. Uh, was a great offensive lineman to Oklahoma. I'd love to see him getting that job as interim head coach right now and just getting that opportunity. Pretty cool. Yeah. Cannot wait for the LSU K-State Texas Bowl. That is going to be Woo-hoo! that is going to be exhilarating. All right. If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn, Gabe. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconesdistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Norman Zone, right? He's, he's killed the Sooners for years, Ted. Charlie Kolar, Kohler, however you say it. People still say both. But the Iowa State tied in. Norman Native ends up winning the Campbell Trophy. They're from the National Football Foundation. That is a huge deal. I'm very jealous. Uh, I, I did not win the Campbell Trophy, and it makes me sad. But I, lo- I lost it to a math genius. So, you know, it is what it is. But that's a big-time award, and he's a big-time player. I thought that that was really cool to see Kolar win that. Uh, it, it, was, it was awesome. And um, that fourth quarter or second half he had against Oklahoma was, uh, was pretty impressive. He's been... He's been an Oklahoma killer at Iowa State since he's been there, man. Um, hey, who knows? Maybe with Venables as head coach, we could get a tight end out of Norman for once, you know? They're missed on a couple. Cooper Kolar. Alexander's coming up. Let's go. Kolar, Kittle, missed on a, a couple good ones. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, but for my winner of the week and – we do not talk politics on here, Ted. We just, we don't. But this was, this was too good not to bring up. Uh, my winner of the week is Senator Bill Coleman. I know nothing about Bill Coleman. Absolutely nothing. Don't know where he stands on anything. Not going to pretend I do. But he has requested a piece of legislation to properly honor former OU head coach Lincoln Riley. Uh, His bill requests to name the last three inches of the westbound lane of State Highway 325 in the Panhandle as the Lincoln-Riley Highway. Um, He said, (laughs) 
He said, I felt the state of Oklahoma needed an appropriate goodbye to this former head coach whose sudden departure left many in shock, including a team of young, dedicated college players. I found the tiniest section of our most desolate of highways to pay tribute to Coach Riley's exit from Oklahoma football and the state. This is only fitting as this is the last three inches one sees before leaving our great state heading west. Senator Coleman, don't know you at all, but the pettiness is inspiring, sir. It is inspiring. I mean, that's one of the funniest damn things I've ever heard. I I actually, yesterday when that came out, was doing the radio show, and I looked up the highway and looked at it on satellite, and there's you go over a river, and then there's seriously there's only a tiny little it's like maybe six feet after you go over the river or over the bridge like you're on the highway again before you go across the state line it's so funny that is (laughs) that is hilarious and he's he's gonna cover the cost of any signage himself (laughs) so (laughs) i uh, once again uh, bill coleman that's that's absolutely fantastic, right? That's too good. He he had to be the winner of the week for me, Ted. There was Amazing. there was no other choice. Amazing. All right, for my loser of the week, I thought about going with Luka Doncic. Ted, I know you're not. Uh, I know you're not watching an <laughs> NBA right now, but he was kind of. So they played the Nets the other night, and they ended up losing. And he was kind of getting body shamed on the broadcast by Reggie Miller. Like a little, little uh, soft around the edges, huh? Yeah. And he said, it, you know, I got to work on the conditioning and stuff. But the thing that they were like, he came in at 260 pounds and I'm sitting here weighing 250. I'm like, so what, what's the problem with that? And he's like six, eight, but he, he does look a little doughy. He, uh, he labors at times up and down the court, but yeah. He, he was almost my loser of the week because everyone's just talking about how out of shape and fluffy he looks. And that that's not fun. That's not fun to be the guy that everyone's they're like, oh, oh, look at you, man. That's so weird to me. I don't know. Even like a center, I don't know how you can be overweight as a basketball player. Like during a season, considering that they run like, I don't know, like 10 miles a night, something crazy like that. It's it's insane how much uh, cardio they do on a just a almost a night in night out basis. That's crazy. But hey, dude, you give it like a 20 year old kid. like I don't know what he's got in the bank now, 50 million plus dollars or more, and he's going to enjoy the offseason. I mean, that's just just how things work yeah he's awesome but just just trim it up just a little bit luca but uh there's there's only one choice for loser of the week that's oklahoma state football yeah you you talk about a ref a, a rough patch for the cowboys you know they they lose the big 12 championship game by a few inches and now they've lost their defensive coordinator Jim Knowles has been hired as the new DC at Ohio state. I mean, you lose the man that orchestrated one of the best defenses in all of college football. Uh, You lose the man that orchestrated arguably the best defense in the history of Oklahoma state football. It's just rough, man.
man, it's just rough. And by the way, he should have won the Broyles Award. I understand Josh Gaddis did a really good job at Michigan, but what Jim Knowles did at Oklahoma State, right? They ha- he had them playing dominant defense. Like that is that doesn't happen in Stillwater. He should have won the damn award. It made no sense, but that hurts, man. That really, really hurts Oklahoma State. And it sounded like they were going to try to pay him like good money, but Oklahoma State just they they can't pay Jim Knowles what Ohio State's going to pay him. I wouldn't be surprised if I actually I would be surprised if Ohio State is not making him the highest paid defensive coordinator in all of college football. Like he may be making close to three million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he did a fantastic job. Now, Oklahoma State, I, I do not blame them for trying to do everything they could to keep him, right? You have to do that. And I agree that he should have won the Broyles Award. But what if I said I thought it was a bad hire for Ohio State? Because here's the thing, man. He had an entire defense full of experience, a lot of super senior players that, frankly, have only played like they've they've had good defenses, okay defenses. But this year, this one year, they were excellent. And I think that has a lot to do with the amount of experience that they had. I think next year is going to be a big step back. If you look at like just like the brief history at Oklahoma State, they've barely been a I don't even they've been like a lower half of college football defense year in, year out until this one year. This is an outlier year. And I feel like Ohio State went out there and went, oh, let's see who are the top defenses. Oklahoma State will take that guy. You know, I don't I think he's good, obviously, but I think he had a big boost from having that super experienced defense. I there there's no doubt and I will say this and you and I we we've watched it and you and I we kind of studied it and talked about it it's a complex scheme man mm-hmm. and it takes time to get comfortable in it and to and it takes guys playing a lot of snaps together in practice and in games to kind of understand when you're passing some of those things off in some of those zone match situations. Like it's not something where you just show up and you're like, all right, guys, here's an easy install. Let's roll. Now he could probably simplify some things, having the type of talent he's going to have at Ohio state, right? There's no doubt he's going to have better players, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I expect him to succeed because everything I've heard about him from the guys that have played for him is that he's phenomenal. They love him, right? Coach cool. Like you see the cigar pictures, you're like, all right, yeah, this guy, this guy seems, seems legit. We'll, we'll see, but yeah, he, he is, he's being brought in there in Columbus to fix, fix a defense that had entirely too many busts. So we'll, we'll see, but it's going to be tough, man. Get ready because, you know, Ohio state played really good defense when urban Meyer was there. Urban Meyer is a psycho. Urban Meyer also was in charge of an offense that ran the heck out of the football. Ryan Day passes the heck out of the football. 
Like they they score a ton, man. It's just it's going to be way harder to play defense there right now, man. It he's he's got a tough challenge ahead of him, for sure. All right. On that note, episode one seventy one in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder. You can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.